Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop Highway 7 Ridgeline from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters. Today is Tuesday, October the 11th, 2011. Today is episode 760 of the Survival Podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about the economy. I also have a very special announcement at the end of today's show. Uh, the song, What Have You Done?, uh, by myself and Greg Gauss and performed by Greg Gauss is actually done. Uh, after over a year, uh, it took, I think, to get that uh, through uh, some of the events in Greg's life and get it finished and recorded and mastered and everything else. And I'm going to play that song at the end of today's show for you. And even though today's show is not about veterans, and this song is a veteran's, actually a fallen veteran's perspective on things, maybe you'll have a, you'll be really in the right frame of mind to listen to it and to understand some components of it. Before we get into today's show, though, on the economy, and uh, eventually get to the end and hear what have you done, uh, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors and our housekeeping. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Emergency Essentials. You know, Emergency Essentials is so prepared uh, that they got out and got the domain name BePrepared.com before anybody else did. It's pretty cool. I'm sure that was uh, a highly sought-after domain name when the initial real estate land rush for .com domain started, and they were prepared enough to get there, and they are, that means they're prepared enough to help you get prepared for some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Really specializing in the long-term storage food world, Emergency Essentials is a treasure trove of information and products. I really recommend that you get by their website, sign up for their newsletter, check out their articles on getting started, check out their food calculator, um, and definitely sign up for their catalog. I think it's really a cool catalog to get. It gives you a lot of ideas about what you can do to further your food sustainability and independence. Next up today, Safe Castle Royal, the original survival podcast sponsor. Been with us since uh, the very early days, very first official sponsor to sign up and become a, uh, a sporting sponsor for the survival podcast and always renews and is always happy to renew that sponsorship because they love working with you guys. Take real good care of you, support you, provide everything you can possibly need for your prepping. Everything from long-term storage food to tactical stuff, and they build some of the best hardened shelters in the world. So check them out. They are at prepared.pro. That's not a .com. That's a .pro. Prepared.pro. And remember, they have a discount buyer's club. It's a lifetime membership, $29, and then you get big discounts on everything they sell. But if you are a member of our member's support brigade, they give you that lifetime membership absolutely free. So they are a very strong supporter of both the show and the members brigade. Next up, remember, you can connect with me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Been a little light on that stuff lately. I'll try to pick it back up. But with all the travel, I've just kind of been burned out. I'm finally getting back up with a head of steam uh, today after that last one. Those uh, expos, man, I love meeting you guys out there, but they're basically two 14-hour days sandwiched between two 12-hour travel days, and they do wear you out. Uh, but we've got that kind of wrapped up, and we're going to be here all the way till Thanksgiving before we leave again. So I think that'll uh, that'll make the next month and a half of broadcasting really good for you. got some good stuff coming up. Uh, next up, remember, you can support the show, and you can do that be by becoming part of the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you support the show at 20 cents an episode. You get discounts to over 29 vendors like Safe Castle. And, uh, you know, I mean, the big thing there is you're supporting the show at 20 cents an episode. That's, that's really what it's all about. But it does give you a return of investment. And uh, remember also, military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, firefighter, if you want a service-level discount, as we call it, a national service discount, email me before you join. I'll give you a special discount code, and uh, that'll wrap up uh, the housekeeping for today. I wanted to knock it out really quick and get into the subject. Um, here's what did this for me. I was out there in Salt Lake City, and this happened in Denver, but I would say it happened even more in Salt Lake City. And I had people coming up asking me all kinds of stuff, you know. Some was oddball stuff, some was standard fare. What do you think of silver and gold? How much food should I really store? What's the best food to store? What's the best water filter? Um, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Uh, but, you know, these are one-off questions. The one that I got the most 
was what will the when will the economy collapse and, and what will the collapse look like? And um, the people asking this ran the the, the gamut, you know, um, ran the spectrum from tin hat types to like normal everyday people who are just scared and want to take care of their kids. And I mean, there was one guy that Fernando Aguirre and I we we basically had dinner twice, uh, two nights in a row, and we kind of laughed about this guy because as soon as he told me he talked to this guy, we knew it was the same guy. He like get right up in your face and go, "Okay, man, what's going to happen?" You know, and I mean, so there were people like that. And then there were people that were just, you know, I got two kids and I'm worried about their future. And they all wanted to know when and what. Well, you know, Fernando, for those of you who don't know, is from Argentina. And uh, he lived through the economic collapse of Argentina, continues to live there and deal with the aftermath of that collapse. That started back in 2001 and is still going. He wrote a book on the subject. We were both keynote speakers at the event. I spoke uh, before and him, and then he followed me right up and did a great job. And he's standing there saying, okay, well, I went through a collapse and this is what happens. I'm standing there saying, okay, this is what I see coming. And, you know, as we know of each other, but really don't spend a lot of time delving into each other's material. And he made a comment to me the second night when you gave your talk and I gave my talk, I felt like I was repeating 90% of what you had said. So we're in very much in sync, even though I'm looking forward and he's looking backward. We're talking about the same type of events and the things that you need to do for it. So you would think that when someone came up to me or to Fernando and said, what do you think is going to happen and what's it going to look like, that when we told them, they would at least be receptive to the freaking answer. But the majority of people already had their answer and they were looking for Fernando or me to back up their answer. And if they were told anything that didn't jive with what they thought they were going to hear, they spent the next 10 minutes trying to convince us that we were wrong. Which with me I can see, because I'm looking forward, but with Fernando I just shake my head and go, you're talking to a guy that spent the last 11 years of his life living with this. And if he's telling you what I'm telling you, maybe we need to uh, be a little bit more open-minded. And this is what I've come to realize, even though I rail against it every day, even within my own audience. There are people that are still convinced that the TV, the novel, the guy selling you how-to stuff, anybody in alternative media, whoever it is they're listening to, whatever they say is what's going to happen. They're also convinced that it really matters who the president is. I can't tell you how many people, when they say, well, when do you think this is going to happen? I said, you know... My timeline is somewhere between 2013 and 2016 with a municipal uh, default across the country. All of these, these city and state and county governments basically starting to fall apart. When they do, that makes Greece look like a joke. They turn to the Fed. We end up with a currency rebasing. We end up with a 50% overnight uh, inflation rate. And most of them said, oh, no, it's going to be much worse than that. They don't even know. They don't even know how bad what I just said was. It's like they are so shocked. With all this information coming at them, with everybody constantly going, look at Nigeria, look at Weimar Germany, the, the, the absolute horror of a second great, uh, second great depression, a currency rebasing, devaluing everything you own and everything you earn by half, sounds like a day at, at Disneyland for them. They're not receptive to it at all. It must be worse, and it's all coming now, and it's because Obama said, and I can't tell you how many people said this, well, Barack Obama said he's going to fundamentally transform the United States. Folks, if you think this is about who your next president is, you are so far away from the truth, you can't see the truth. I'm not saying I like Barack Obama. I'm saying he's not your problem. Not from an economic standpoint. I mean, if you want to look at the spending that Bush did, you want to look at the spending that Clinton did, you want to look at the spending Bush first did, you want to look at the spending Ronald Reagan did, there's a cliff. There's a cliff that the nation must go off, and nobody has turned the car away from the cliff. We've changed the speed of approach, and we've changed the angle of approach. Some people have taken us toward the cliff at a 90-degree straight-on angle, And, and put the accelerator down and cruise control on 85. Some people have turned the, the car on a 70-degree angle, a little less abrupt, and, and backed the accelerator down to 60 miles an hour. It doesn't matter. We're still heading for the cliff. Because the cliff is not about who's in charge of the government. The cliff's about who's in charge of the money 
and how the debt is being structured. I, and I, I just, before I even get into the Fed and money creation and things like that that I've talked about before, I, I want to talk to you about how bad a second great depression is. See, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't think that's bad enough for everything that's going to happen to happen. In fact, it, it, it's actually probably going to be worse than the Great Depression numbers-wise, but it, it's going to look a lot like it, and in some ways it's going to be a lot worse. The people that went through the Great Depression in the United States were largely built of an immigrant class uh, that came here from, from places that were really bad and brought with them skills and knowledge of how to deal with that. Or they were people from families that had been here for about a 100 years who had grown up with some level of the frontier mentality still in them. The people in the 1920s were not soft. They were not weak. These were the people that when the government outlawed alcohol said, screw it. And they didn't just do things the way dope dealers do with the drug prohibition. They set up bars and said, to hell with you. And they built businesses on prohibition. That's what Al Capone really did. Right, and, and I mean, this was this, the, the mentality that people had. We're going to live our lives independently, regardless of what anybody else says. I, I know maybe you're shocked at you know me saying that disobeying the law of prohibition was a good thing, but yeah, I think the law was stupid, and it was rammed in by people that were do-gooders that, that caused more harm than good. Uh, I definitely think it was one of the biggest things that damaged the nation uh, economically going forward. Um, Especially, you know, putting an industry like that in place and then pulling it down and then putting it back up, it's, uh, it really created some problems. But I don't want to go off there. My point is that in 1929, the average guy knew how to fix stuff. The average family kept extra food around the house. The average family had a deep sense of morals, and they expected nothing. Today we live in a society where the average person calls a guy when something's broke, People have less than a week's worth of food in their homes. Morality is now considered subjective instead of absolute. So while we all had different things we maybe agreed were right and wrong, there were certain absolutes. There were certain things in society were simply unacceptable, where today even those are considered bendable and flexible. Because we don't want to offend anybody. So even if the Great Depression, the Second Great Depression was exactly the same from a modern, relevant numbers perspective. So obviously the numbers are bigger, but percentages, right? If it was exactly the same, the nation's pain is probably going to be ten times worse. And I, I don't think when people hear me say something like, well, you know, if they rebase the currency over the first year to two, we'll probably have a 50% inflation rate, um, they, they really understand what that means. Let me put it in perspective for you. If you make $15 an hour and you don't get a raise, which you probably won't when something like this is going on, and you're lucky enough to keep your job, your effective rate just went to $7.50 an hour. If you have $400,000 in your 401k and you're smart and you don't stay in highly leveraged stocks and you move your money and even protect it in cash equivalents, your $400,000 becomes $200,000 in equivalent buying power. Your home that you owe $180,000 on that's currently worth $200,000 becomes worth $100,000 but will cost you $400,000 to buy it. Okay? Are you getting it? What does it do to the housing market, the job market? What does it do to even the people who saved? And the people that think, well, I'll get around inflation with debt... If the wages don't increase along with the inflation, debt hurts you more than it helps you. I'm sorry, that's the way that it is. Beating inflation with debt is a fallacy to begin with, but in the best case scenario, it requires moderate, sustained inflation, and the person who's doing it has to have wage increases that exceed the inflation. Trust me, from what Fernando tells me, when an economy collapses, it doesn't happen. Right? And I believe him because, as Ron put it when he introduced him at the expo, he's the only person in this building that's actually survived an economic collapse. So maybe we need to listen to what he has to say. So I, I just want you to understand that when I tell you it's not patriots the coming collapse, it's the Second Great Depression, instead of thinking, well, that's not that bad, you should be thinking how horrific that really is. It might be 20 or 30 years You know, Japan talks about the lost decade. How about the lost decades? 
That might be how bad it is. It all depends on how we react to it and what solutions get implemented to it. I want to talk a little bit, though, about the real problem here. The real problem here is not your government. It's the people who control the money. Your government does what the people who control the money tell them to do. And in spite of what you've been told, it ain't Exxon. It's not. It's not Monsanto. I don't really like either one of those companies for a lot of reasons, and I hate one more than the other. You can guess which one it is. It's the Federal Reserve and its representative banks that actually control the money because they can push the money around like a big monopoly game anywhere they want it to go. I've got to have to go through money creation again because I know there's people out there that do not understand it. And if you've heard it before and you think you don't need to hear it again, you're probably wrong. This is the single biggest thing that's going to affect your future and your children and your grandchildren's future in the next 50 years. You cannot hear it too many times. You can't. When the Federal Reserve wants to create new money, they go to people currently holding bonds. These are pieces of paper that say the U.S. government owes them money. They buy the bonds... And then there is new money. It is that simple. And if you've never heard it before, your mind is probably repelled by the simplicity and the absurdity of it. Let me explain. Let's say I'm the Bank of Jack and I'm holding a billion dollars in U.S. Treasury bonds, meaning the government owes me a billion dollars plus interest. The Federal Reserve says you're holding five-year bonds, Bank of Jack. We'd like to buy them from you now, pay you some interest on what you've already earned, and we'll hold the bonds. You take our money and do whatever you want to with it, including go ahead and buy more bonds if you want to. Well, for me, that's pretty easy, especially if I can get a little better interest on a new bond than the current bond that I'm holding. I mean, fine, you want to take this, and I'll, you know, or I want to, you know, free up capital or whatever it is. So I say, sure. Now you would think that the Federal Reserve deposits a billion dollars in the bank of Jack. They do not. They make a computer entry which creates a deposit in the bank of Jack, and that one billion dollars is new money. When they say they're printing money, that's how they do it. They don't even print it. It's not paper. It's one computer entry that takes two seconds to do, and the money is created out of thin air. The Federal Reserve now takes the billion dollars in bonds, and we owe them the money plus interest. When your politicians tell you they want to pay off the national debt, they are full of shit. Every dollar that exists is debt plus interest due back. That means if we took all the money currently in existence and tried to pay off all the debt at the same time, we would end up with not enough money to pay off the debt because principal and interest has to exceed principal. So the only way to get more money to pay off the existing debt is to borrow more money. Does that sound like how some people run their lives with a credit card? That's how your nation's running its life. And it gets worse. When you go to the bank of Jack and say, Jack, I'd like to buy a house. And I say, what kind of house? And you say, a $250,000 house, and I have a $50,000 down payment, a good credit rating, and I say, fine. You put your $50,000 down, I'll loan two hundred against the house. I'll take the note in collateral. You would think that I give you $200,000 in real money. I don't. I do the same thing the Fed does. I make a journal entry that effectively creates $200,000 new dollars that you use to pay the person that sold you the house. And that money goes to them and back into the banking system and continues to replicate. I don't give you money. You know, we always hear about the 90% rule. So what that would mean is if I was a small bank and I had a, you know, a little tiny bank and I had a million dollars, I could load out 900,000 of the million. But when I do that, I've effectively created 900,000 new dollars. I, I, I'm still holding the million. And when I loan it to my depositor who buys something with another depositor, puts it back in my bank, I can do it again and again and again and again. As long as I build the underlying number... I can create, keep creating new money. And when I create new money and put it into my little local economy and it comes right back into my bank, I can multiply it again. This is, this is the insanity that we live under. It's called fractional reserve. Nothing I've told you, if you're having a hard time believing this is true, nothing I'm t I've told you today will be disputed by anybody from the Federal Reserve System. If you ask them, and they're anything other than somebody that holds the door for people when they walk in, if they do anything in the system and understand how it works, they'll say, yeah, that's how it works. It's a good thing. They, they, they won't deny it. You go read their own documents. 
You know, if you read Putting It Simply, it says, of course, the bankers don't actually lend money. If they did, no new money would be created. That's in their own literature. So this is how the system is designed. So it's designed to be a perpetual debt trap. It's designed to be something that the nation and its people can never escape. It's designed so that one generation shall always be mortgaging the next generation's future. And that next generation will then have no choice but to mortgage its subsequent generation's futures. But see, at some point, the, the, the debts become due. And then there's not enough money to pay them back. And the bankers can actually cause this to happen at any time that they choose to. And that's where we're headed. And, of course, the gold bugs think the way that we solve this is by creating a gold standard currency. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something for me so I don't have to go deep into this today. I want to talk about solutions, so I want to get there fast. I, I want to paint the problem and give you the solution. And it's not a happy solution, but it's something that you can do for yourself. But on the gold standard... If you really believe this, if you really believe that banks issuing notes against gold would fix this, please do me a favor. Please indulge me. Please go to YouTube and search The Secret of Oz by Bill Still, and please watch it or at least listen to it with an open mind in its entirety before you email me and tell me I'm wrong. And if you email me and tell me I'm wrong without listening to that first, I'm probably not even going to read your email Because you only have half the information. I'm asking you to take the other half of the information and put it into your brain and kick it around. I would also ask that maybe you go read my book, The Real Truth About Money, at trtam.com. It is free. It is a PDF download. I wrote it in two days. It is not a great work of literature, but it will tell you the things you need to know to make an informed decision for yourself. If you will take those two pieces of information in with an open mind, I think it will change a lot about this whole gold standard thing. The reality, though, is this. The problem that we have in our monetary system is not what backs it, but who controls it. Our currency, by our Constitution, regardless of what backs it, is supposed to be controlled by the public by being controlled by the Congress. Now, whenever I say this, the first response is, but Jack, if the Congress controls the money, they'll spend like drunken sailors. They'll create money out of thin air. They'll, they do it all anyway. And in return, we don't just get overspending and inflation, we get debt and interest. So we can either have overspending and inflation or overspending inflation plus debt and interest. There is no meaningful cap on spending by our Congress. None at all. All the debt ceiling stuff, when it was going on, what did I tell you? Don't even listen to it. They're going to do the same damn crap. They're going to paint the picture a little differently. They're going to vilify the 40 or 50 congressmen that actually are going to stand up against this, even though they don't need them to pass anything that they want. They're going to pass it. They're going to blame each other. They're going to act like something happened. And all we're going to get is another $2 trillion dollars in debt. And what happened? Exactly what I said. So please, I'm hoping that some of you out there that doubt me in this financial stuff will start to look at my track record going all the way back to 2008 where I've told you cut and dry, block for block, this is what's going to occur. And it's happened over and over and over again. I am not a luminary. I am not a day trader. Call Denninger that I had on the show a week ago can go in there and trade stocks a hell of a lot better than I can. I don't even play that game. He's a pro. But when it comes to the long-term view, my track record speaks for itself. And I'm telling you, what we're going to see when this currency gets rebased is a gold standard. In some way, shape, or form, gold will play a role in new standard. Those of you that are hoarding gold and silver will mitigate some damage. Maybe you will not get rich off of it. Those of you not holding it are completely, completely going to be victims of the situation. So that's not good for either one of us. And nothing about the real problem will get solved. A short-term restructuring of the debt based on using new devalued money to pay off old overvalued debt will make the system sellable to the populace. Look how good it is for that, everybody. And then we'll go right back into the same thing. And as long as private banks control the currency, we have a problem. The only solution that we have as a nation 
to regain our actual sovereignty is to regain control of the currency by the people, and that means it has to be in the control of our Congress, and if you don't like that, I'm sorry, it's what the Constitution says. Okay? That's the fundamental reality. It's what the Constitution says. So it always drives me crazy that people always think we should follow the Constitution until it says something they don't like. Well, there was a reason for this. If we control the currency, then elected officials have to listen to us. And then people start saying, but the voters just vote for you. So you have no faith in your fellow Americans, so we have no republic. All right? No matter where you go down that road, that's what it comes down to. What you're telling me is you have no faith in the other, your, your, your brother and sister Americans to ever stand and hold these clowns accountable. Right now, you don't get to decide who's the chairman of the Fed or who the boards of the Fed are, and you never will. And the people you see are not the ones in charge anyway. Right? It's the guys back at the locations. Right? It's the Rockefeller family. It's the Rothschild family. These guys have been in control for a thousand years. They're still in control. This is in conspiracy. Go look up the member banks that make up the Fed. Go read the Fed's charter. Go read the Fed's own information. You'll see all of this is true. And you have to ask yourself, if all of this is true, if they have this much control, what is the goal? The goal is to control all the major economies in the world. It doesn't matter if you do it through government or finance. It doesn't matter how you structure it. It doesn't matter whether you call it an independent uh, republic. It doesn't matter if you call it a European Union. It doesn't matter if you call it an Asia-Pacific Asia compact. It doesn't matter what it is. If you control the money everywhere, you get to play the giant monopoly game and stay in power. People that understand money understand that I don't need any control of government if I have control of currency. And that's what's going on. So the end game here is that the development of the United States has been harnessed and captured to a point of maturity. If this were a permaculture system, the U.S. has hit that point of maturity, right? They, they, we, we have hit what a permaculturist would call climax. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what comes after a climax in a system. A decline. When a forest system reaches its, its peak, eventually there needs to be fires, there needs to be old timber dying, things that collapse, meadows open up, and the whole system resets and starts again. And as a permaculturist, we can go into a, a forest or a meadow or any a desert, and we can actually accelerate the entire process. And we can control and manipulate the process. We can hold the system at climax longer. We can fend off climax for a longer life cycle. We can plan for decline and begin stacking in time the rebuilding in advance so that we can continue extracting from a system all the abundance that we want. With money, it doesn't work that way. With money, when you burn it down, it's easier to be like a locust and move on to the next field. So the end game here, if you're wondering why anybody would run the economy off the rails the way that they're doing, and you look at what they're doing and you realize it has to be intentional because no one's this stupid. No one with that much power, that much influence, and that much money can be so stupid as to actually believe any of the things they're telling you are going to work is going to work. So the goal is to extract everything that you can and take all the wealth that you can and go to a new system and begin controlling, manipulating, and expanding it and heading it toward its climax. And you leave behind, in your wake, destruction. And as that system starts to reset, then you come back in and you do it again. So the money's moving to China. The money's moving to Asia. And it doesn't mean they don't have problems, but they have a long, they can do this cycle over and over and over in Asia for a long time before they get to where we are today. We're spent. We've served our purpose as good little drones, as good little putzes. They've extracted from us and extracted from us and extracted from us. And it's not like we're going to go away. It's not going to be the focus anymore. They'll give us some freedom and autonomy and let us kill ourselves. Whenever, whatever's left starts to rebuild, they'll come back in with our solution, and they'll start the process over. In the meantime, they're going to build a new system and start heading it toward that same climax 
in other undeveloped parts of the world. Because it's much easier, to, think about it this way, if you want to make money on homes, do you buy homes that are perfect condition and pay top dollar for them and then try to sell them for more than you paid? Or do you buy homes that have problems, tweak the problems, not necessarily fix them, but hide them and sell them to somebody else? Right? Do it with cars. These people do it with nations. They need a nation that hasn't developed so they can go in and develop it, so they can extract from it along the way. That's what's really going on. I know some of you are thinking maybe I've gone over to the conspiracy world. I haven't. This isn't so they can round you up and lock you up and, and put you in train cars. This is so they can take every bit of value that you have as a human being and discard you like a, 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 snotty, a snotty Kleenex and leave you to yourself for long enough for you to become valuable again, to let the fire clean things out, and then come take over again. And they'll never really let go. They'll just put their focus elsewhere for a while. Unless we wrench it away from them. And this is what rule by the banking class is. It used to be the illusion was that the king, the queen, the lord, and the lady did it, but it was still a banker. Now the illusion is the congressman and the senator and the president and the governor. But it's still the banking system. We've had very brief periods of freedom from that system. And they've always played a better game of chess than we have, putting us back into it. I want you to understand something. The coming depression has already begun. This is the depression. This is the collapse. You're standing in the middle of it. If you were standing back in 1955, looking forward with some kind of time machine where you could literally see what's going on around you today and look at numbers, and not be attached to them emotionally because you're in the middle of it, thinking, I'm doing okay, you'd see it for what it is. We're already on the way down. The double dip that I've been calling, people think it's already happened. It hasn't. I believe there's one big, stupid party left. One big delusion that the problem is solved. And I'll tell you why I believe that. It's a great way to take the last bit of value from people. It's a great way for them to play the game one more time knowing they're the house and they get their cut. It's a great way to sucker people who have lost so much into when they think they finally drew a winning hand of poker to go all in so that they can walk away with as much as possible with one last hoorah. And I believe it is that timed. It is that controlled. And I believe that all of the things that you're seeing around you that look like part of the problem or part of the solution are actually part of the game. The manipulation of people into class warfare differentials, the involvement of labor unions and violence and socialism versus democracy. And you tell one person this is socialism and this is democracy and they're both socialism. All of it, all of it is designed to distract you from the reality of your decline into misery and to your decline into poverty. And I think that's why there'll be one more big false hope preceding the big crash. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That just means they don't think they can pull it off. If they think they can pull off one last hoorah, they'll do it. If they try and fail, they're leaving anyway. They don't care. It's like walking away and burning down the building you've left behind. You don't worry about what's in there when you do it. But if you can take some nice things on the way out of the lobby, well, you take them with you. I also think that when people are asking me, when is this going to happen? And I'm saying... 2013, 2014, at the earliest, 2016, 2018, at the latest. Um, there's some very switched-on economists uh, that wrote the book Aftershock that happened to be very much in sync with my timeline and very much in sync with my reasoning behind why and what will occur. But I think it's really important to understand something right now. The timeline doesn't matter. How long and exactly what's going to happen when that occurs is not what's important. It really isn't. Because the timeline goes back to what I said about believing that a politician's in charge. And whether the politician is heading at a 70-degree angle and 60 miles an hour toward the cliff or 80 miles an hour and 90 degrees toward the cliff doesn't really change the fact that there's a cliff and there's a bus and that we're all in it and that at some point we're going to go, ah, and over the cliff. It really doesn't. Um, who's right about when is less important than what we need to do before we go over the edge. And is there a way off the bus? 
Uh, or is there a way that we can make sure that we're wearing the best seatbelt and get the best airbag action as we go over? Because we're going over. And, and all this nitpicking about, I think it's before the next election. I, and, and, and these people telling me this, when I say, what do you base that on? I just think so. Okay, well, I spent the last 10 years of my life paying attention to this, and I disagree. It doesn't even matter if you're right or, if you're right, you got lucky. Right? And you're, you're not very lucky to be right about that. The, the real situation here, the real pending horror, is that our entire way of life is about to change. And it's not because Barack Obama's a socialist and said, oh, you know what, I'm going to fundamentally change the United States. You know what, Barack Obama's not fundamentally changing the United States. He's showing you a big part of who the United States is today. Keep in mind that over half the people in this country voted for the guy. Keep in mind that there's still a large, huge block of America that thinks this is good stuff. This is what they want. I mean, the best, you know, if we look at approval ratings, currently, with, you know, let's call, let's call it what it is, folks. It's more than 10% unemployment. I don't care what the official number is. We, we know that when we look at actual people without jobs, it's, it's double digits. Currently with that, currently in the middle of the worst economic recession since the Great Depression, which I actually believe is a depression in of itself. Currently, in a climate where no one could say for a fact that anybody's done a good job, um, 42.1% of people as of today, uh, according to Real Clear Politics overall average, 42.1% of America think that President Barack Obama is doing a good job. And whatever you think about these Occupy Wall Street loons, and I know there's some good people getting involved, and I'm afraid for them. Okay, But the people behind this, they think he's doing a good job too. They just want him to do more. So when we look at this and we start making this political, instead of seeing it for the economic reality that it is, we're putting our attention in the wrong place. And I'm telling you the history of banking is that whenever the people get too close to the truth, you misdirect them with politics. You make them worry about taxes and tariffs and protectionism. right? Instead of actually paying attention to who's controlling the freaking money. You can say whatever you want about who's in charge in a household, but whoever holds the checkbook, writes the checks, and determines when checks do and do not get written is in charge of that household. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, our Congress writes a lot of checks, but I'll tell you who's holding the checkbook, the banking system. So that's really what's going on, and where we're going doesn't matter. So what I want to switch into now is what the hell we can do. Number one, shouldn't surprise you, reduce your debt. Get out of debt. Eliminate that. I don't care what you got to do. Anybody telling you that you can play this system and stay in debt and walk away or have your debt devalued, where you don't get to play that game. The game is not designed for you to win. That's like thinking you can go to Vegas and win every time. It's not designed for you to win. It's designed for some people to look like they're winning and everybody to lose. Because the house always wins. You are not the house. You don't get to be the house. Not in the debt game. You lose. You spend more, and you become more enslaved. So the debt has to go. Number two, reduce your expenses. You need to start cutting expenses now. There's something that you know I really didn't cover that I wanted to cover as we were going in here. Um, it's it's a, it's a thing that I call downward class migration. That's I finally come up with a term for this. I I uh, I really didn't look to see if anybody else had one, but I've been telling you that I see. Almost everybody in America going down at least one class. If you're upper middle class, you go to middle class. Maybe lower middle class. Might be two. But I'm, I'm calling this now downward class migration. And it's designed to happen this way. It's designed for everybody to slip at least one rung on the ladder if they continue to do things their current way. The only thing that will allow you to maintain anything close to your current standard of living, and doesn't mean having a bunch of stuff, that means the basic comfort level and being able to do things that you want, having the control over your life that your current status allows you will be to reduce debt and reduce expenses. Anything short of that will fail and you will be part of the downward class migration. That's coming for, I believe, 90% of America. There's the 1% elite that they're not going to care. There's about 8% and those 8% you know, eight to nine percent of people, um, they could be a poor person or a, what we would call a rich person, not an elite rich though. You know, somebody that's doing very, very well. Wait, let's say ten times, twenty times better than I am. That person, a person that's worth a few million dollars. There are about 
9% of the population in that that are taking steps toward this day. And some of them make $50,000 a year and some of them make $500,000 a year. And neither of them are your freaking enemy, no matter who you are. And if you're convinced that either one of those people are your enemy, you're being played for a fool and you're going to be part of the 90%. You got the 1% elites, you got about 9% of people that are willing to do what's necessary and the other 90% are going to get crushed, including some people that look very well off right now. doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you earn. It's how much you keep and the value of what you keep. And if you don't convert some of the cash into things that have lasting value, when they devalue the cash, they devalue your have. You can keep it by not spending it, but if they take half of it through a currency rebasing, you just lost half. Does that mean don't hold cash? Oh, God, no, it doesn't mean don't hold cash. You're going to need cash, too. But it does mean it's time to really move your life forward toward a position where you have greater control over your life and less need of money. You're never going to not need money. And people that say they'll never need money at all, they're just dumb, right? But to need less, to be able to have everything you want with as little income as possible, And then maximize your income while you can. Create as much reserve as you can and solidify your position as much as you can. And people say to me, well, Jack, what if you're wrong? What if we have 20 years before this happens? Who freaking raw? I don't believe it, but if we do, then you got 20 years to fix this. Because it's going to come. Because it's designed to come. And I want you to understand, even if we get rid of the Fed, if we got rid of the Fed tomorrow, right? if we started deconstructing the Fed with a three-year deconstruction plan, And we successfully pulled it off. We're still going through a depression. No matter what we do, no matter what we do from this point forward, the country is going to go through a depression. It has to. We cut spending, we're going through a depression. We raise taxes, we're going through a depression. We increase spending, we're going through a depression. I don't care what we do. It's coming. So we have to be prepared for it. When, how, I don't care. doesn't matter. Next thing you need to do, build skill sets. Um, and I, I even include technology skill sets. There's still going to be, if you go to Argentina today, they're still in Argentina. They're still a thriving tourist business. There's about half the country. If you go there after night, you're taking your life into your own hands. There's jobs. There's technology. There's beautiful places in Buenos Aires. And there's places in Buenos Aires where you're likely to end up dead for taking a walk at 11.30 p.m. That's what we're, that, when you, when you start, Believing all this hype, instead of paying attention to what happened when, when it actually did happen to somebody, your southern neighbor here, then you're just missing a boat. And this is what I've been telling you for so long. So, yeah, I think it makes sense to learn how to do programming. But you better learn more than that. You better learn how to swing a hammer, drive a nail, and use a saw. You better learn as many skill sets as you possibly can. How to grow food, animal husbandry, how to talk to people, how to trade, how to barter, how to build community. You better learn all of these things. And your time to learn is running out. Increase your self-sufficiency percentages. Look for any way that you can become more independent from the systems so that you will rely on them less because that's going to do what? Reduce expenses? It's going to reduce the need for debt. The next one of you people that emails me about how a credit card builds your credit system, your credit rating, so you can get better, less expensive debt, I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to knock on your door, and when you open your door, I'm going to say, Can you, hey, do you know who I am? I'm Jack Sprinkle. Lean a little forward, and I'm going to freaking belt you. I really am. Because you're committing suicide for yourself and your family. You got to focus on your self-sufficiency, not your dependence. When you say you want better, less expensive debt, You're focusing on dependence. I'm telling you to focus on independence. The, the two worlds are diametrically opposed. They do not go together. They cannot function together side by side. You must banish one and embrace the other. You either embrace the slavery and the chains of a debt system. Or you cast off change and you embrace a system that says, I will do without... Because it's better than being subservient to another man. And I will build my own way forward. It's your choice. Which one are you going to do? So if you're going to do the, 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 the second one, if you're going to focus on independence versus dependence, 
then you need more self-sufficiency and self-reliance in your life. The next one is you need to build community. You are not going to go it alone. I had that question a lot too. You know, one guy said my dad goes around the neighborhood all the time, talks to everybody and says, hey, you know, we need to be prepared. And my, my other buddy, he hides out in the mountains. Who's right? You know, he's going to be completely alone, off-grid, by himself. Well, he's probably is, is open as the one guy was being. They're probably both a little bit wrong. But the reality is we can't survive independently. You know, whatever your, your politics on the war are, I want you to suspend them for a minute to face a reality. We send U.S. military supported with a long supply chain, the best equipment in the world, the best trained soldiers in the world, with air support, into small towns in Iraq and Afghanistan. And sometimes they get torn to pieces. And they get torn to pieces because they're fighting in somebody else's neighborhood. And a community of people, that whether we agree with them or not, are united in what they're doing, even though they only have one-tenth of one percent of the assets that our soldiers do. That tells you something about the power of being banded together. I don't have to agree with somebody in any way, shape, or form to acknowledge what, what is effective about the way they operate. So if we can build our communities based on common ideals and a belief that no matter who you voted for, that if someone comes into our neighborhood to burn somebody's house down, we're going to burn them down. And that if somebody's hungry in our neighborhood, we're not going to ignore them. We're going to feed them because this is our freaking neighbor. This is where we're from that we can have more strength than that. And when someone comes in our neighborhood to deal drugs, to expand crime, to take, we can send them packing. Fernando has actually tried to move to the United States. He thinks even with what's coming, you're better off here than there when all this happens. And he's ending up to a point where he can't get here, right? Because our immigration laws are stupid. Here's a guy that's self-sufficient, has his own money, isn't asking for a job. That's the big thing. If you wanted a job, you could get you want a job. I work for myself. I just want to come here and live here and be a resident. Can't do it. Uh, Northern Ireland will take him. You only know learned about Northern Ireland. The IRA is not gone. They're still there. But they're filling a different function instead of uh, uh, warfare against you know Protestant Catholic now. They had a drug dealer that moved into one of these neighborhoods in Northern Ireland. So the IRA pays them a visit, you know, the remnants basically, who are not just the community. And they say, hey, look, Uh, we don't want you here. You need to leave. You need to leave now. We don't ever want you in our neighborhood again. He didn't leave. They shot him in the knee. He left. It might get to that level. I know some people are like, wow, that's illegal and you shouldn't. I'm sorry. Where we're headed, the law might not be there. I am going to do a listener feedback show this week from the emails like I normally do at some point, either tomorrow or the next day. I'm going to show you places right now where law enforcement is already cutting back on what they actually respond to. I'm going to show you a town in America this week where basically they're no longer responding to domestic violence calls. Unless it's active, ongoing, and somebody's life's threatened. If it's just a basic, you know, we had a fight, I don't know what he's going to do next, or I don't know what she's going to do next, they're just not coming. So when the law begins to fail to protect you, you're going to have no place but no choice but to protect yourself. And here's the thing, to protect the neighbors around you. So build community. Next thing you need to do, you need to protect your existing assets. If you are still on autopilot in the stock market, you are a fool. You want to stay in stocks right now? Fine. You better know exactly what you need to do to pull the trigger at a moment's notice to go into the closest thing to a cash equivalent that you can. If you are in a 401k with no cash equivalent, I'll tell you at this point, I almost think it's worth the interest in the penalties or doing whatever you have to to get your money out of it. There are some. I, I can't believe that it exists, but I would start with going to your employer and saying, we want a cash equivalent fund in this in our 401k. I want a place where I can move my money to cash. I mean, maybe I don't even want to do it right now, but I want some portion of it there. If and At the very least, if you have a 401k where there's no cash equivalent fund, no money market style account, Right, dollar for dollar cash equivalency. Stop all contributions immediately. Stop, cease, and either put your cash into something that's liquid, like a basic savings account or money market account, right now. Or if you insist on still continuing to contribute to long term tax deferred retirements, set up an IRA and put your money in there. Do not continue to put your money anywhere where you can't get out of the way of risk when you choose to. Stop now. It's probably already too late for a lot of folks. Really make a big-time choice about this. When you talk to your financial liar, oh, I mean advisor, 
and he tells you there's nothing to worry about. It's just a long time. You're young. You're 40. He's full of shit. He doesn't know. He's ass from a hole in the ground. None of these guys, none of these guys saw what was coming in 2008. None of them listened. I know. I tried to find someone to work with me going forward through there, and they were all freaking ass clowns. They all said, you're so young, Jack. You don't have to worry. Why would you worry? I said, I don't want to lose half of the value that I don't have to lose. I want to hold it. You're telling me it's going to fall and rebound, and you're too stupid to take the money out and let it fall. I can't work with you. Don't trust these people. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They've been trained in relationship sales, not money management. I'm going to get emails today from some of you. And there's one or two of you that actually know what the hell you're doing. If your people weren't holding at least 50% cash by early summer of 2008, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Unless you had them invested in other commodities that went up. And if you did that, you're a freaking genius. And call me and let's do business together. But if you had your people holding mutual funds through the crash, coming out the other side and saying, see, there was nothing to worry about. Three years later, when their money was back to 90% of where it was when you started with them, you're a freaking idiot. You don't belong in business. And don't trust these people with your money. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They get propaganda from the mothership every day telling them to talk people out of stepping off the ledge. So protect your existing assets. This includes your home. Have insurance on your home. Have insurance on your lives. One of the best ways you can protect your existing assets is to not have debt against them. Please understand the correlation there. The way these two things are related to each other. If you have a car and you owe money on it, you can't protect it as an asset because somebody else actually owns it. And the minute you stop paying, they're going to take it away from you. Next, be informed about your surroundings. Not just economically. Not just from listening to my show. Know your own neighborhood. Where are the bad neighborhoods nearest to you? Where is the crime nearest to you? Read the freaking paper if no other reason, because most of it's useless for the police blotter. Where does stuff go on? Get a scanner or a scanner app and listen to the police and EMS in your community. Know where the problem sectors are. Pay attention to the pulse of your community. If it starts to go wrong, solidify, soldier up, and be ready. With all this crap with Operation Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street going around, you know, and all you people emailing me, it's a grass ranch movement. I don't care. I don't care who started it. I don't care how good their intentions were. I'm telling you where it's going. It's going into a system controlled by unions and PAC groups that is going to turn violent. All right, And I know some people are trying to segue it over and channel it and turn it into Occupy the Fed with Alex and his lot. And if they pull it off, great. But I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. I see these union thugs... And these political people turning it into the anti-Tea Party. And those people get violent. Doesn't matter if 80% of the people in an effort are pure in spirit. If there's 20% that are actually controlling and manipulating things. And these people will literally bait authority into attacking them. So they can create a mob mentality. And the peaceful mob becomes an aggressive mob like that. Especially if they don't really know what they're there for. They're angry, they're mad, they want stuff, but they don't have a way to get it done. When someone steps into that vacuum and says, I am the way to get it done, they become de facto in control, they co-opt the group, and I'm telling you, this is going to turn violent. I don't care if you're part of it and you're a peaceful person. I don't care if you're part of it and you're a well-informed person. And I'm not saying that everywhere one of these groups are is going to turn violent, but by and large, this thing is going to turn violent. It's going to look like London. It's going to look like Egypt. It's going to look like Libya. It'll also look like America when that stuff happens in America, which means it'll be slightly different. But there will be buildings burned. There will be cars turned over. There will be people shot. And there will be people made out to be the enemy simply because they have more than the other person on the street. Mom and pop businesses will be burned down because they're owned by rich people. This is what's coming. Be informed about your surroundings. If not now, next year, if not next year, the year after. And that's as long as it's going to go. This thing may fizzle out, turn into a political movement, be co-opted by the left, just like the, the right pretty much has co-opted the Tea Party. But it will come back. It will research. When they had the riots go, or the, the demonstrations going on up in Wisconsin over the school stuff, it was an attempt. These people are attempting. They don't care who they have to align themselves with. The people that are really calling the shots here are attempting to create this civil unrest. They want it. 
it gives the government an excuse for more control. And no, it's not Occupy the Fed. I'm sorry. If it was Occupy the Fed, they would have went to the Fed in the first place. Where'd they go first? To Wall Street. I wish it was what some of you think it is. I know some of the people doing it are who you think they are. My concern is not them. It's for them. Because of the other people involved, that's the last thing they want. Go to Occupy Wall Street's own website. Look at the, 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 the post they did about the march they were doing in New York and the organizations that have aligned with them. All right? When you see moveon.org on that list, that's all you need to know. And I know I'm, I'm almost upsetting you, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the intention. It only matters the result. Remember the old, the old saying? The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. Next thing, please perform a risk assessment. Please perform a risk assessment in your life. Take the information about your community, about your debt, your expenses, your skill sets and lack thereof, your self-sufficiency, your community, your existing assets, and determine where you're most at risk and shore it up. Soldier up, folks. Right? That doesn't mean we're going to take D.C. with our M1 Garands. That means soldier up. You're going to have to take care of yourself, your family, and your community. So understand where you're at greatest risk because you're probably not going to get fully prepared before you have to deal with this. So you need to know where your greatest de deficits are so that when it comes down, you can start there is the first place to put in defenses. The first place is to make up for where you're inadequate. So perform a risk assessment. Have a plan to bug in and to bug out. I, I talk to people all the time. Well, we're going to bug out. We're going to bug in. You don't know what the hell you're going to do. And if you think you do, you're wrong. All right? Because if you're going to bug in, that's great until there's a forest fire burning your house down. Now you're bugging out. You have no plan. You're screwed. You're going to bug out. But your whole area is surrounded by places that are more dangerous than where you are. You're actually in the safest place you could be. And even going somewhere puts you at greater risk. Well, you're going to bug in. And you don't get to choose your disaster. You don't get to pick the way this works. You don't get to pick where it happens. You don't get to pick who snaps out and who stays sane. You don't get to pick the rate of decline of the currency. You don't get to pick whether or not gold works for barter in the first week or the first month or the first year. You don't get to pick any of that. You don't get to know any of that. Neither do I. You don't get to be in charge of deciding how society falls apart. You just get to be part of a big disaster. And then you have to figure out what you're going to do, and you might end up in an isolated pocket where very little actually appears to be wrong, while Rome burns around you. Or you might be in the middle of the bonfire. You don't get to decide that. So you need a plan to stay put and to get out. And if you don't have both, you're 50% exposed to the potential reality. You have to have both plans. Now I'm going to say, say something here at the end that might seem completely counter to everything that I've told you today. The most important thing, have faith in the future. Believe that America can rise from the ashes. Believe in the founding fathers and their words. Even the ones that disagreed with each other. There were certain truths that they found to be self-evident. All men created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Believe that that idea is bigger than a banking system. It's bigger than corporate greed. It's bigger than politics. It's bigger than everything. And believe that if people stand together in a time of adversity, they will fall back to fundamental truth and they will rebuild And it probably won't be a utopia and we'll never have one. And that's not the way it works at this point of existence. But it can be better. And there is something to live for. And what you do matters. There is a revolution coming. It is not going to be fought with a sign. It is not going to be fought with a gun. It is not going to be fought with a ballot box. It is going to be fought in the hearts and minds of individuals throughout this nation, and it will be won when enough of them say, I have had enough. No more. To hither thou shalt come and no further. The end. I am done. I will take responsibility and control of my life at this point. I will not back up any further. I don't care what law you pass. I don't care what you say. I don't care who's in control. This is my property. This is my stake. This is my place. This is my position. This is my right. And I invoke them all, and I defy you to cross this line one 
further step. Many of us are already there. Many of us are already there. We need more. And these things do not come through violence. They do not come by picketing. They do not come with anything other than individual action and individual liberty and self-appointed responsibility and control for your own life. They only come when you realize that there is only one four-star general in your life and whether you like it or not, it's you. It only happens when men start acting like men and stand up and say, not my family, no more. It only happens when women stand up and start acting like women and say, not my family, no more. And I'll tell you what, riots in the streets don't scare your government and they don't scare the banks. It's an excuse to clamp down. Who you vote for, they could care less. They fund both sides. Words that I speak send shivers down the backs of those that are in control. Not because I speak them, because you might believe them. And because you might tell somebody else, and they might tell somebody else. And when enough people figure this out, and you realize that the entire system of controls is based on us collectively agreeing to them, and we all collectively say, no more, we're done, we're not taking it anymore. Their little Ponzi scheme, it's actually a giant Ponzi scheme, their plutocracy, it doesn't need one rifle shot for it to crumble. It only needs a united people who know why they believe what they believe and believe that the most important thing they can do is to be responsible for themselves, their families, and their communities. That's it. It is that simple. It is the one thing the people in control fear more than anything else and understanding by the population that we do not need them. They will, shed, they will fall into phantoms and they'll go somewhere else And they'll run their game on a more gullible people if we can become that those people. And I believe we can. I'm not promising you a rose garden, folks. I'm not promising you a utopia. And I'm telling you it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I have hope for the future. And that is the future that I have hope in. A future where my fellow Americans, the people that listen to this show every day, say, I'm going to take responsibility for myself, my family, my community. And without that hope in that future, what are we surviving for? Build a freaking business. Start now. You know, build a house, build a homestead. All these people say, oh, don't start a business. Don't go and don't buy a house. Don't rent only or whatever crap these economists say. They have no hope in the future. I'm a shareholder in the United States. I'm a stakeholder. Okay. I'm a member of the board of directors that numbers over 300 million. I have one share here. I ain't giving it up. If anybody wants to take it, they got to come through me. That should be how we all feel. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life. If times get tough, or if you get Shot heard round the world, called up those British bastards that put me to the sword. Well, I died a lonely subject, the king and monarchy. Yeah, I'm the first American who made this country free. What have you done with my country? That beach are running with an M1 in my hand. Before I got to cover, I was face down in the sand. Well, I'm proud to die on D-Day, and I'd do it all again. The time has shown me death and war, breach politics and sin. What are you done with my country? What are you done with the white picket fence? I gave my life. You repay me Yeah, I keep looking down I see it all go wrong My blood mixed with the dirt 
public TV. My blood was spilled for nothing. You people aren't free. And all the rights I gave my life for just a memory. What have you done with my country? What have you done with the God of men? I gave my life so you could be free. And this is how, yeah, this is how you repay me. Now our patriots are looking back just the other side. They're pulling for us all who live free because they died. Those of you who've turned your back on the land in which you live, when you go to meet your maker, what answer will you give? What have you done with my country? What have you done with the founding tree? I gave my life so you could be free. And this is how, yeah, this is how, you repay me.